1: Brian Zimrak.
2: Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 567 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we go into the music world... And we've got a great one coming your way. In the 60s, he had a number one hit with the song Itsy Bitsy, Teeny Weeny, Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. Then he also had another top three hit with Sealed With a Kiss. And in the 70s, he was at number three once again with Gypsy Woman. And he's always had a lot of the hits, too, throughout the charts and over the years. And we're going to talk with Brian, and that's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So get ready for that. hope you're going to enjoy that one. It's going to be a fun one. And uh, we've got lots of different interviews coming your way every day as we upload all the old past episodes. And uh, everybody seems to be enjoying those. We uh, hope you're getting on those uh, as we put them up and get them and download them. Download, you know, subscribe. That's the best way to get uh, all those episodes coming at you. And also, if you want to keep in touch with what's coming your way, uh, you can check us out on Twitter. And we are at screen and beyond and if you are on instagram you can catch us at on screen and beyond podcast and that's what we've got coming your way as far as those things you can see those we put up some really neat looking uh, stuff on instagram seems to be the one that we're doing the most on we are on the other ones all the time but uh, you know that's the one that we immediately put it up on just because we have better access to it to, with the programs we've got and everything. Anyways, uh, we appreciate you uh, downloading those episodes. And uh, also every week we give you a new episode on Sundays and, uh, we just, uh, hope that you keep in listening and telling a friend and enjoying all the episodes. So, uh, if you have a chance, if you're on Apple or any of the podcast providers that you're getting this show from, if you could leave a review, that would be great. Help us out, get the word out and uh, put us up higher in the ratings. The more people that listen to On Screen and Beyond, the more people we can get here to come onto the show because uh, they want to have uh, more people listening, of course. So, uh, we, uh, that's one way of helping us out, you know, I, give you all these interviews, you give us this. You know, (laughs) give us more listeners. So, we appreciate it. Well, what do you say? Let's get into it. Brian Hyland is coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, and it is time for Remake Madness, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, well, it looks like Game of Thrones. Now, I'm going to mess this name up, I'm sure. Uh, Pailu Azbek. And he was uh, Euron Greyjoy on Game of Thrones, so, so if you know who that is. And he has joined the cast of the remake of Stephen King's Salem's Lots. Now, that'll be coming your way September 9th, 2022. So we'll see how they do with that one. First one is really scary. And uh, they say that uh, the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid will have more songs in it. Now, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because, you know, I mean, The, the Little Mermaid songs are so classic and everything. But uh, anyways, they're putting more in. We'll see what happens. And a remake of The Rose is in the works over at Searchlight. That's it for Remake Madness, coming up next on On Screen be Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, well, American Underdog with Zachary Levi runs into theaters on December 25th, and it's a feel-good true story of the NFL quarterback, Kirk Warner, and it also stars Anna Paquin. And Christopher Nolan's next film project will be about J. Robert Oppenheimer and uh, all his work creating the atom bomb. And Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda will star in a movie comedy called Moving On. It's about two old friends who reconnect at a funeral and decide to take revenge on a widower who wronged them years ago. And sounds like, you know, (laughs) it's going to be a fun one. And that's it for... Upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. Let's find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, I messed it up earlier. I'll do it again. Philo Azbek is busy, as mentioned above in the Salem's Lot movie, but he's also going to be in the Aquaman sequel with Jason Momoa and Fantastic Beasts 3. Its title is officially going to be Fantastic Beasts The Secret of Dumbledore, and it's slated for an April 15th, 2022 release. And the Netflix prequel to The Army of the Dead, titled Army of Thieves, premieres October 29th, and it's loaded with zombies. And it's going to be on Netflix. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen be on TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, The Crown Season 4 will hit Blu-ray and DVD on November 2nd. And on September 28th, you can look for the 13-disc collector set from Time Life of the Ultimate Richard Pryor Collection, Uncensored. And on October 5th, you can get Dark Shadows and Beyond, The Jonathan Fredge Story. And that's gonna be on Blu-ray and DVD. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on is going to be on movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, well Roadrunner, a documentary on Anthony Bourdain, arrives on digital on September twenty-eighth and DVD on October twelfth. And October nineteenth, you can catch the nineteen fifty-eight classic, cult classic, that is, Frankenstein's daughter, as it comes out in a special edition Blu-ray and DVD, and Don't Breathe Too sweeps on to 4K HD, Blu-ray and DVD on October twenty-sixth. That's it for movies on DVD. Coming up next on it's going to be on It's TV and Entertainment Time. <laughs> TV and entertainment time, well, HBO Max is looking at making a TV series about the Penguin, and it's based on the character from the new upcoming movie, The Batman. And HBO Max is also looking at making a movie about Batgirl. And Netflix, well, they're giving The Watcher a renewal for season three. And that's it for TV and entertainment time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we are going to be talking with number one hit singer Brian Hyland. He's going to be coming our way in the 60s. He had Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weenie Yellow Polka Dot Bikini, probably one of the longest uh, titles of a song, I guess (laughs) it probably is. And he also did Sealed with a Kiss. And in the 70s, he had Gypsy Woman. A lot of great music from him. Brian Hyland coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond has been giving us his music for decades, blasting out such hits as Itsy Bitsy, Teeny Weenie, Yellow Polka Dot Bikini, Ginny Come Lately, The Joker Went Wild, and Sealed With a Kiss in the 60s, and Gypsy Woman in the 70s, and he continues to tour and make new music to this day. His latest single, Come a Little Bit Closer, and it's Brian Hyland. Brian, welcome to On Screen and Beyond.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here.
2: Now, Brian, your music has just, for so many years, just been amazing. I mean, depending on what era people were in, um, you know, everybody knows Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weenie Yellow Polka Dog Bikini. I mean, there's, there's, you know, any age can knows that one. I was a big fan of, of Gypsy Woman. I thought that was a fantastic song. You did a great job with that. But uh, Thank you, you just keep going. <laughs>
0: well, uh, it's what i like to do i always wanted to uh be uh either you know i i started out i was in a duop group and uh i also played learning i was learning how to play the guitar and i was really fascinated by the guitar and uh you know and, and it just kind of evolved and uh but it's always just what i wanted to do was you know be in the music business not necessarily the business you know business mm-hmm. business yeah. but you know but uh in music in some way
2: yeah yeah and and boy you've <laughs> you've come through with some really great hits i mean it's just amazing
0: thank you thank you very much
2: let's go back to when this all began what made you decide you wanted to do this was there an inspiration that got you into the music business was there family members or something like that or
0: At, well uh in in my i had six brothers and one sister when we lived we lived in woodhaven in queens and uh, my older brothers had a, uh, a they were in a barbershop quartet <laughs> and uh so they practiced at our house uh, and i would hear that you know coming through the wall you know with pretty thin walls mm-hmm. and uh but i would hear that and that was like the first live music that i i guess i ever heard and uh uh you know and, and then at a certain point uh, i was watching a television show with my father and we were watching this uh Jackie Gleason show and they said and now the next guest is Elvis Presley <laughs> and he had never been on TV before and i watched it with my dad and uh we my dad was so blown away by Elvis you know he, he thought wow he's really good and he's looked at me you know and Elvis was you know, like that one of his first performances, if not his first uh, performance on television there and, uh, you know, national television. And uh, so I guess, you know, that was an inspiration to me. But I was also hearing the doo-wop groups in New York. And I was also hearing like Buddy Holly and there was the Everly Brothers in particular. They were a big inspiration because my brother Keith and I, once the Everly Brothers started making it. And having you know, bye bye love. Hey, wake up, with Susie. All you have to all have to do is dream. All those songs uh, were so cool, and so I, I, my brother and I, we could just we just learn those songs and just like wouldn't even think about it. We just you know, I played, I I would do one part, he'd do the other part, and uh, it was it was just like fun. We would like sing as we we're going to sleep at night, wow. and we'd just be you know singing these songs, and. Uh, Anyway, so that was uh my inspiration was all that early rock and roll on the radio. I also listened to Alan Freed uh mm-hmm. on WINS in New York. And uh it just kind of got uh it just it took over my life. Uh you know, I was just like that was my my passion, I guess, and it was at that at that age and at that stage of rock and roll, it was kind of irresistible, I think.
1: Yeah.
2: Now, I mean, here you are. You're 16 years old, and I presume you're you're probably in high school at that time. And right, uh, how did you become to get the hit, hitsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini?
0: Well, uh, see, we had a. The, I, um, I'll digress a little bit. We had a. I was in a vocal group. We it was called the Delphi's. So we made a demo record over in Manhattan, and we. You know, then they made copies for us. You know, and we listened to it. And then uh, one of the other guys in the group, Lorenzo, we we said, hey, well, let's let's maybe we can get a record label to be interested in us and whatever. And so we, uh, of course, you know, we bought the coin of the realm was forty-five RPM records, and they had a record store right in my neighborhood. And we go in there and we'd look at the records and the labels and so we looked at the you know, we were aware of a lot of the labels of the songs we liked we went and um, got the yellow pages in Manhattan and looked up record companies that we were familiar with and of course we didn't go to RCA or Columbia or we went to the smaller ones that we felt more comfortable anyway so it turned out that didn't really happen we went to a a uh, different company, and they just, you know, most of them didn't have time even to talk to us or anything. And at some point, we met someone in an elevator, and they said, why don't you guys go over to Sammy K.'s office? They're looking for groups over there, looking for singers. So we, we went over there, and they listened. They actually listened to the demo, and our, our, their arranger, Bugs Bauer, who was a, an arranger for Sammy Kay and worked at the publishing company there, too. And uh, he listened... And they said, well, you know, we're not listening, we're not looking for groups, but we like the way that you sing, Brian. So would you be interested in being a soloist, you know, and going solo? And so I looked at the guys and they said, go for it. Hmm. And, you know, it was that simple uh, kind of a decision. Uh, and just uh, and it, that, was, that was it. In that moment, I became a solo artist. Wow, and uh, then I started, you know, going over there after school, and uh, and I cut some demos for their publishing company. One thing led to another, and then I got a record deal off one of those demos that I did, and that that first song came out, and uh, and it was on Cap Records. Cap Records, like my voice, and uh, so we had this one song came out. It's called Rosemary, and nothing happened with it. Then they said maybe we'll do another session, you know? And uh, so they were looking around for different material. And finally they, I got a phone call and I said, come on over. We found this cool song. It's going to blow you away. Well, they didn't say it like that, of course, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> they said, you're going to like this song. So I went over to Manhattan. I took the train, the L train, which is what I did all in those years and um, listened to itsy bitsy, teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini on a demo which was a couple of girls singing it, and uh, and then, so I, I said, "Well, uh, I, uh, where do I sing on this?" And they said, "Well, you'll do this part, then you'll do this part together with the girls, and then there's a spoken word part, and it's all going to come together." You know. Anyway, so um, shortly thereafter, we they set up a session, we went in and recorded it, and uh, you know, it just came out very quickly and it just got on the radio almost immediately mm-hmm. and uh it took off
2: yeah wow now i i, I want to step back just for something that you had said uh, earlier and i just want to verify this now you said you went to sammy k now are you talking the sammy k you know swing and sway with sammy k <laughs> yes
1: wow that's the
0: one that's the guy yeah. yeah yeah and you know he had they had an office and he was still out doing gigs on the road uh with his big band mm-hmm. and um I I met him just a couple of times because he was never really there at that office, but, you know, it was, it was his office and his operation. Yeah. And, wow. uh, but, uh, they had a publishing company also. And, uh, that was what, that was where, uh, I, you know, that was my connection into that whole thing. Yeah. yeah it was through the, in their publishing
2: thing. Wow. Now, yeah. But, but at 16, you have a gold record. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, that was, it was, um, uh,
0: You know, it it was just one of those things that it, uh, uh, it just, uh, because the record was kind of unique and it came out right at the right time, right at the beginning of the summer, uh, and it just got on the radio and it just, just went crazy and they played it. It was an international hit also, you know, not just in the U S it was a hit over in Japan Mm -hmm. and it was a hit in uh, the UK. And, uh, but actually, you know, at that time, the, uh, the european artists especially if the like in france or germany and i imagine spain and italy and some of the other countries up over there they would watch the american charts and there was a delay between when a record was a big hit in america and when it got you know released over there the you know the original american version so they would they just they could just you know it was like picking horses. They just look at the charts and they say, all right, we we'll do, we'll do this one and do this one, and they and that that went on for a long time, uh, where they would do cover versions of American hits, uh-huh. and uh, so and especially in in the place uh, in where they didn't speak English, where it was French or you know Swedish or whatever it was, and uh, so, but the. I, I, my record did good in the UK, Ireland, and Scotland, and Wales, I guess, and, and some parts of, uh, of, uh, Germany and some of the other countries there. It did, it did pretty good. And, uh, but then, like, later on, when I did Seal with a Kiss and another song I did, which, uh, called Ginny Come Lately. Yes. Which was the song right before Seal with a Kiss. And in that case of that song, that, my version of those, both of those was the main uh, version that was a hit over in Europe.
2: Yeah. Now you mentioned sealed with a kiss that, that, that was a a monster hit too. it. I mean, that was a great song.
0: Thank you. Yeah. That was written by these uh, two songwriters that I met at that time and around 1961 and started working with them. And we, the first thing we did was a song called let me belong to you that came out in 1961. And, uh, And it got all the way up to in the top 20. It was number, I think it was number 20 on the billboard charts. And, uh, it was, uh, the, it, I was, I had a lucky break there because Dick Clark liked that song. He liked, he liked my, uh, my, you know, he liked that record and he started playing it on American bandstand. And, uh, that kind of was the go ahead for a lot of radio stations. And they started, they picked it up and, um, started playing it and so that kind of in a way was a comeback almost uh from doing a novelty song the year before and which was a lucky break for me
2: yeah wow did you travel with uh dick clark on any of his caravans and things like that
0: yes i did i was uh i had an honorary seat <laughs> 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 i'm kidding but no but uh, i did a lot of those uh, uh caravan of stars tours uh, yeah there were quite a it was a great thing at that time and then we did a lot of them and a couple some some years we did like two or three of those tours in the same year and uh, a lot of them uh, there was just a whole mess of people on those Gene Pitney oh, yeah. uh, you know the Supremes were on some Lou Christie Johnny Tillotson the Drifters uh, the Shirelles the Crystals yeah and um, like, a lot of the artists that were currently on the charts, too, Dick Clark would always do that. And, like, with the Supremes in particular, he called, uh, I guess he called Barry Gordy, Dick Clark did, and said that he wanted, actually, Brenda Holloway, who had a song at that time called uh, Every Little Bit Hurts.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: was a pretty cool record. And so Barry Gordy, or whoever he talked to, I guess it might have been Barry Gordy, he said, all right, you can have... Uh, brenda holloway will do your tour but we have this new group called the supremes and i got a new song just came out called where did our love go and if you get brenda holloway you have to you want you you'll have to take this other group too uh as a package and so dick clark (laughs) he's "All all right that's cool and uh sure enough um i was on that tour and
2: their record while in the you know like
0: it just took off
2: and it was a giant hit. Mm, I guess, yeah. Wow. W- w- what was Dick Clark like?
0: Dick Clark was, he was
2: uh, very, I guess,
0: I don't know how to explain it. He was a very good businessman and he treated everybody equally. He was very, uh, that way, everybody got equal billing for the most part, except the very headliner would, he would, you know, be the featured whoever that was. Mm-hmm and but everybody else he, he, Dick Clark treated very fairly and was nice to everybody and uh he always looked great too i have to admit and a lot of times we would uh he he would fly in and out uh, uh, and to to do the emceeing on those tours and he he'd be there for a couple of days and then he'd go back out to california and um but like a couple of times they where everybody would be asleep on the bus, and it'd be like really early in the morning, and they all of a sudden the bus would stop, and we'd be at an airport, and Dick Clark would come out with his suitcase and get on the bus, and he looked great, you know he just like just came in from California, and everybody else was like sleeping on the bus, and you got everybody smoked cigarettes pretty much, and it was just you know everybody looked kind of greasy, I guess. <laughs> And, uh, but you know, Dick Clark was, he was Dick Clark. He looked, he looked great. Mm,
2: yeah. I mean, I mean, he looked young even when he was, uh, before he passed away and he was doing the, um, you know, the new year's Eve things and he had his stroke and he was still having issues, but he still looked young. I mean, he just yeah. forever young, that guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. He kept his youth for a long period of time. And I think his uh, you know, probably t- for him, his voice uh that was his thing his he had a great jockey voice and yeah. a great presence you know on, on television also and uh so I, I imagine you know that was probably hurt him you know or you know in that that he couldn't be, have that same voice at right. the very end but he, but he still, he did it, you know, he, he hung in there.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Jeez, I mean, it's, it's incredible what he did. But, uh, you know, he always seemed, you know, f- for those of us that never met him or anything, he just seemed like such a nice guy. I mean, you know, but you can't yes, tell. He it, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was. Um, he treated everybody, like I said, he treated everybody equally. And, and he didn't have, like, favorites or anything like, he didn't play that kind of game. And it was that, and people respected him for
2: that.
1: Mhm. yeah. You,
2: not many artists do this, but you actually had hits that were, uh, you know, top forty, and also you went into the country music too. Uh, so, so you you sort of spin both yeah. sides.
0: I I well, they, they were kind of you know country so, country type songs, and that would have been uh, the the song that actually with the follow up song to Seal with a Kiss was Warmed Over Kisses and Left Over Love. And uh, which was, uh, you know, and at that time I was out doing, uh, doing one nighters. I was out on the road that year at 62. And uh, I told the songwriters, uh, uh, I didn't tell them, but I, I just made a suggestion. I said, listen, there's a lot of really good country songs uh, that are on the radio. Uh, and I'm hearing them when I get out of New York and uh, I lived in New York and and they were uh you know like Farron Young and uh, Frolin Husky mm-hmm. and uh, Jim Reeves and there was a lot of and they played them you know one you know out there in uh, Iowa wherever we were yeah and um and so i i i just said you know you got to you know think about maybe you know a country song maybe and uh, then i went i was came back in i guess a little while Couple of, like a month later or so, and they said, "Okay, we, we wrote this song. It's called Warmed Over Kisses,' leftover love, and it uh, was in waltz time. It was uh, six well, it was six eight time, I guess, and uh, and it had a uh, real nice kind of Floyd Kramer piano riff in there, and it was you know it was perfect. But uh, it only got up to number twenty, but uh, it was still a, I'm proud of that record. It was good, right? Yeah. Actually, uh, there was another song after that which did less. Uh, called uh, I May Not Live to See Tomorrow but that was pretty, also a co- kind of country type song but that kind of, I did a couple of things like that at that time, and then I also did an album, I did two albums back to back, one for ABC Paramount and one for Phillips and there were, but they were mostly uh, folk songs and some country songs and we did like a marathon session and, and did those, uh, both, both those albums and, uh, but it wasn't like I was going to become a country artist or anything like that. I just liked that at that time.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, that, those were the days when radio stations, top forty stations, played country. Top forty didn't make any difference. A, a, a good song was a good song, and it wasn't segregated like it is now. You know, I mean, you got your rap stations, and you got the, you know, it's all right. You know, separated. But back in the days, in those days, it was you know, if it was a good song, it was a good song. It didn't make any difference.
0: You're absolutely right, and it was uh, like today. I, I, I think uh, I, I think it's like niche kind of thing mm-hmm. where there's some people that will just listen to just like one type of of rap song or one type of of uh, country songs. Uh, you know, they'll listen to an, a certain era. <laughs> you can do that, and then people, you know, with iPods and iPads and all, you know, iPhones, you can. You can kind of custom make your own playlists and all that, I guess everybody knows about that and uh it's uh but like it is niche that's that's how that's how it is now and uh but I think in those days we were exposed to more of an eclectic kind of thing where you could you could hear Perry Como and then the next record would be Elvis
1: right and yes. then the
0: next record would be uh, Jackie Wilson or Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. And they were all on the same radio station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, is it true that you were on to, to, to tell the truth?
0: Yeah, I was. The, and actually the, uh, yes, I, you know, hello, my name is Brian. <laughs> then the other guy says the same thing. And, uh, so yeah, I did that was like a, a one afternoon out of my life, mm-hmm. and I went there to that it was a studio there in manhattan uh i I forget what network it was, and yeah, that was kind of fun and it actually that clip is up on YouTube if anybody wanted to watch it, it's up oh, there yeah and uh yeah. and now for was, some reason they they put that up yeah. yeah was go ahead
2: was Gary Moore the host at that time? No, I don't think so, no. Yeah, I, I forget
0: exactly who was. I know that I think Polly Bergen was one of the, uh, pe- you know, the guesters or, you know, yep. in the panel.
2: Yeah. The, the other panel. And, uh yeah, yeah there I'm was, yeah, you know, I
0: can't remember the other, but you know, it's up there. Anybody wants to watch that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm going to have to watch that. That's, that's pretty cool. Were you writing your own mu- music or were, were you having people write your songs?
0: Well, no, it wasn't like I was having people write songs for me. No, but, uh, the the writers uh I guess I gave that impression about about the warmed over the kisses, but the, like the song uh when I started working with uh Gary Geld and P.D. Udell, they had a backlog of songs already and they had uh they had already written Ginny Come Lately and Seal with a Kiss, both of those songs. And uh the and so that in uh they had they had a whole mess of songs and they were really good songwriters. But over time, I didn't I didn't really start writing songs until I guess I was on a tour with a, a guitar player. And one of the guys in the band, his name was Jimmy Holvey, And uh, Jimmy and I started writing songs on the bus where we're, it was like a uh, it, I mean, it was a Dick Clark caravan tour, but it was a very scaled down tour. It was just a couple of acts and uh, was myself. Bobby Freeman, Drew Akins and Shirley Ellis who had the, the name game and, uh, now to the real nitty gritty. And, uh, so on that tour, uh, Jimmy, we started writing songs. Just We had, you know, we had a lot of time, uh, just sitting on the bus and we had guitars. So we started writing songs and that was great. And we wrote, I guess we wrote about maybe 15 different songs. And, uh, I, rec- I recorded one of them and, uh, But then after that tour, he continued writing, and he wrote Kind of a Drag. Oh, yeah. For that song. It's a huge, I think it was number one record. Yeah. And uh, so he, uh, you know, he continued on and wrote a whole bunch of stuff for the Buckinghams. The Buckinghams, yes. uh, And he did stuff, he wrote songs for other people also. So that was my first uh, songwriting experience, you know, being a songwriter, which was kind of a whole new thing for me. Right. Then I wrote some songs with Del Shannon, uh, when I was out there and, uh, in California. And, um, uh, so that was another part of my life there, writing songs. Uh, and Del was a really good songwriter. Uh, you know, he wrote Runaway, Hats mm-hmm. Off to Larry, Little Town Flirt. Right. Uh, I Go to Pieces. He wrote that song. And, um, uh, so, uh, that was a whole different, as part of my, uh, career there, uh, and also, when uh, at that point in time, uh, when I was working with Del and he was producing. We were he was producing records, and for me, and produced a song which became a giant in Again, was uh, Gypsy Woman.
2: Yeah, I mean that. You know, it's funny. We, you know, because we've been talking here uh, a couple days before we, we actually do this interview too. But uh, after we had talked the first time um one night i was watching a movie and while i'm watching the movie uh it's an it was an older movie and uh, uh all of a sudden they start playing gypsy woman i told my wife i said that's brian highland <laughs> <laughs> i said i'm gonna be talking with him shortly but uh yeah it was kind of cool to hear that and um uh but gypsy woman i love that song that was a great song and uh that was curtis mayfield did the uh
1: wrote that right
0: he wrote that, and yeah, the uh, he he was on the we were on the same label. The Impressions were also on ABC Paramount, and uh, that was their I think their first big hit as the Impressions. Except, I mean, they had for your precious love with Jerry Butler, and uh, but uh, I think their first really big and big hit was uh, Gypsy Woman. And uh it was i think it went number one or it was in the, you know right up there in the, on the r and d charts and uh i don't and anyway uh, I love that song, I always thought it was a very mysterious sounding um, Yes. And it, you know the definitely. story the story and the, it it just puts you right there the the lyrics and um so that was uh i was i felt lucky to have a hit with that song that I liked so much. That uh, that I and it, when I sing that on stage, I I can put myself right into that scene, you know, from nowhere through a caravan, mm-hmm. you know, and and like that whole thing. It's great.
1: Yeah.
2: Wow. Now I've had a lot of over the years. I've had a lot of uh, different musicians like yourself and um, like Tommy James. He was on, and uh, a lot of them had uh, problems with their their record companies and things like that. Did you ever have any issues like that? Because they had some really serious stuff, I guess. You know, some. Oh yeah, problems.
0: no, I, I I think I read I read part of uh, Tommy James's book, and he he ran into some people in the business, you know, early on, right. and uh, that were pretty notorious, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, and
0: uh, I didn't. Uh, I was kind of you know I in on the first label I was on, Cap Records, and then ABC Paramount, they. They were legit companies, and I always got royalty statements from them. As ABC Paramount was, uh, I talked to Vito Picone from the uh, Elegance, and he said he, he never they never missed a check. They always, you know, ABC Paramount because the their their record was on there. Mm-hmm. On uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, I, I've been in that sense. I've been I've been lucky that to to have been on uh, good labels had always, you know. Paid, paid out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, of all the songs you've had, is there any one that's uh, particularly close to your heart? Uh, you know, not not necessarily monetarily wise, but uh, you know, just a song that really you 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 liked.
0: Well, uh, I guess um, there was one song that I did, which was uh, about the Civil War, and I I played guitar. It was the first uh, record that I. Uh, actually, played the guitar on, and it was uh, called "I'm Afraid to Go Home," and um, I did a actually acoustic version of it, my at my own studio, and put that out. You know, I mean, it's, it's up there on. You can listen to it on uh, YouTube, but the original one, uh, also, it's a not, it's a story about a boy going home after the Civil War, and so I'm afraid to go home. He doesn't know what's what's in store for him. And um, it's it's an interesting idea and a different kind of take on on that whole, you know, people, anybody that's read that book, Cold Mountain or seen that movie, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that story there, only from the point of view of the of the soldier going back home. And what's what's but in that that was a great book, too, I got to admit, I read that I was on a tour over in the UK. And I had that book and every night I was, I was singing that on stage uh, with the band. And uh, then when we get on the bus and we all had bunks in this bus and I sit there and read, I was reading that, that book called Mountain. And uh, I, it was a, I love that book. It was so, uh, so, uh, such a great story. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And um, as far as, uh, the people that you've traveled with i mean like i say you've traveled on the caravan of all-stars and all that with dick clark and everything but uh who have you either headlined or backed up or whatever on stage that uh you know really blew you away when you when you you found out you were working with these people there there any in particular
0: wow that's a good question um ah I'll have to uh, just come back to that.
2: Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, in the early days, uh, just um, on being uncertain, okay, I'll I'll say I did a show, this is so long ago, uh, at the Brooklyn Paramount in 1961. And uh, the lineup of that show was Jackie Wilson, Eddie James, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, me. Tony Orlando, Raul Donner, and I think the Lampy and the Imperials—I could be wrong—and wow. uh, <laughs> a lot of different. And there was a couple of other duop groups on that on that show too. And um, I can remember—and Curtis Lee, of course, he was on there too. Mm-hmm. for little angel eyes. Yeah. And um, I can remember watching Jackie Wilson uh, from the side of the stage. And, uh, he, he was, I never saw, he was, he electrified the audience. He was so good. And, uh, and also Jerry Lee was at a time when, you know, he was kind of, people wrote him off a bit. And, uh, but he was, he still was like really had a hot, he had his own band mm-hmm. and, you know, and they came out and it was just to him, piano, drums, guitar and bass so it's just a rhythm section and but it was his and um uh, and he was fantastic i thought
2: did he really no, go as well
0: i'm
2: sorry did he really go i wild? was
0: gonna no, go ahead. i was gonna mention <laughs> there's this there's this version uh there's this album that jerry lee did which i just found recently uh on youtube and i guess there's like 12 or 13 tracks on it and it's Jerry Lee Lewis live at the Star Club in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but no, I haven't. they said it. It says that in the liner of things, it said that it's thought by some rock and roll aficionados to be the greatest rock and roll live album ever done. And uh, and the band that backed him on that show was a group called the Nashville Teens, and they had that song. Uh, uh, Tobacco Road, oh, yeah, that okay. was his song yeah. I think, uh, and they said they had recorded that song at the time but they were backing Jerry Lee there at the Star Club, but if you listen to, he's got a version of the song Money, that's unbelievable, and hmm. uh, you check it out sometime it's really, but anyway, that album and Jerry Lee, that was about a couple of years after It's from that's from 1964 and uh but anyway, yeah. that was a great show. And Etta James was also on that show wow. at the Brooklyn Paramount, and she had the song At Last
1: yes, at that yeah. time.
2: Yeah. Boy. She was great. great. Some, I mean, yeah. I mean, those caravan tours must have been incredible to see. I mean, you know, uh, we look back at that now, and it's like, you know, you were probably all just beginning, but you know, after a while, you know, all of you went on to have these humongous hits and it's just incredible to, to have them all on one stage.
0: This, that particular show that I was just talking about was at the Brooklyn Paramount. And that was, uh, Murray the K who uh, put put that show together. And that was just like a one-off thing for like a week. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it was the back to school special and something like that. And, um, it was, to me, that was like going to rock and roll high school.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can and, imagine. Uh,
0: just, I watched everybody. I watched the whole you know, like everybody's set and everybody's, uh, and it was it was fantastic. Yeah,
2: and you and you worked with Richard Pryor, is that that correct? Yeah, I
0: did. I yeah, at the uh, Cafe Wa in the village in Greenwich Village. Yeah, he was the uh, he had just come in to New York. I imagine, and he was brand new and got a gig there as the uh, comedian and kind of the MC too. And he would, you know, get his set. And I think, yeah, and he was, uh, I watched him every night. he was, you know, and he was always, he was very funny. And I think that uh, his uh, probably, uh, men, not mentor, but person that he was, that a lot of comedians were, was uh, bill Cosby. He was like their, uh, you know, he, he had made it big. So they were, everybody wanted to be like bill Cosby or, you know, at that time. And, uh, but Richard Pryor was totally unique though. Uh, I mean, he might've thought that, but he, he was totally, he did his own thing. Mm. And, uh, he was great. Actually, the dressing room they had there at the cafe. Wow. was, you had a, it was so small. It was like a broom closet. And, uh, (laughs) Everybody had to use this one dressing room you had a you know you had one person at a time in the dressing room and uh that was a really fun kind of gig to do it for myself because i I had been on you know done tours and uh you know on buses and things like that so and they where they had regular big locker rooms or wherever they you know on a lot of those tours it wasn't really where we played theaters a lot. There. That mostly uh, when you play when I played over in the UK, we would they would have uh, theaters and it was very nice.
2: Yeah. Now you're you're still touring, right? You're you're still touring. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I got some shows coming up. I was going to say
0: on October second, I'm at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, and then in I'm doing a gig at the Bergen Pack Center in December. And I'm doing cruises, also rock and roll cruises. I'm I'm doing one of those yeah. in February with Rocky and the Rollers. Hmm. So wow. we're you know we're out there still you know doing one nighters and you know that's what we do.
2: Yeah, you must love doing it, right? I mean, otherwise you wouldn't do it.
0: <laughs> I do. I I I, I just uh, I played a uh, the show in because um, everything like a year ago when COVID hit when you know, like March 1st, mm-hmm. it was like death. All the gigs for the whole year within a couple of weeks just got, to, luckily they just, they didn't cancel them, but they postponed them. Yeah. And so, you know, but it was just, you know, nobody was doing anything. And, um, anyway, so in, um, I played a gig in Monterey in, uh, in August. And that was, um, not August in, in July. And, um, that was uh, like first gig that I actually got to do, you know, since uh,
2: must been, COVID. Yeah, it must have been nice yeah, to get back was, out
1: there.
0: <laughs> it was. It was great. And the band was great. It was an outdoor thing in, in Monterey Peninsula. And it was a car show slash rock
2: and roll show. So it was great. Yeah. yeah. Now, does your son still play drums for you?
0: No. My son is doing his own thing now. So that he's. Yeah. He's got his own life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, uh, I, I wanted to just finish up with a couple of questions here. One one question. But, but before we do that, is there a place that uh, online or anywhere that people can, you know, check out to see where you're going to be performing and when so they can keep a uh, connection with you so if they want to see you in live? Well,
0: I'm on Facebook. And people, you know, they, they, they have a, a page up there that has lists, shows that I'm going to do. Also, I have a uh, brianhyland.com. That's that's another uh, thing. And uh, so I guess the Facebook uh, is uh, probably where most people check out, you know, things like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, Brian, I want to finish up with this question, and it's a, like a two-parter, but... Uh, when you sit back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what are your favorite movies now and of the past?
0: <laughs> well, that's a good one.
2: <laughs> uh, well, you know, the, the
0: movies that uh, that I'm, I'm always attracted to, uh, I don't know why, uh, would be like film noir movies, you know, on Turner Classic Movies. Yeah. I find myself watching those a lot. And uh, lately... I'm married. My I have a new wife. Got married in April. Oh, well, and, congratulations! Uh, my wife and I we watch musicals now,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so that's like a whole thing. I never really watched much before, and so I I love that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm learning about a whole new type of movie.
1: Yeah.
0: What about TV?
2: Any favorite shows? Well,
0: that's. You know, I, I I've been watching some of the doctor shows. Um and and um I don't know. <laughs> I I guess I I I just draw a blank on that one.
2: Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. What about when you were a kid? Did did, did you ever get to watch T V while you were traveling around and everything back then?
0: You see, I think that's where it all started with with not because uh, I never I couldn't really uh From the time when I was sixteen, I was out doing one nighters and doing shows, and so it was I was disconnected from that kind of thing. Right. But before that, I watched The Honeymooners, I watched, uh, uh, The Outer Limits, Twilight Zone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: Great shows.
0: You know, I, I guess those are the ones I was, uh, you know, fascinated by. Yeah. Especially uh, the Jackie Gleason show. you know, and um, I guess uh, I guess that that would, those would have been the ones, uh, and probably some of those pl- uh, Playhouse ninety and things like that I used to watch once in a while. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, Brian, I, before we go, I almost forgot about this, but I want to m- mention about your latest single. Can you tell us about it?
0: Okay. Well, this is a song that uh, called "Come a Little Bit Closer," written by Boyce and Hart and West Farrell, and uh, it was originally recorded by Jay and the Americans, and they had a great version of it, and uh, I guess it was in the 60s when it first came out, and so I always liked that song. I liked the story, so uh, I was messing around with my guitar, uh, and I, I had this uh, guitar like Keith Richards where he pulls off the bottom E string, and play, and tunes it to an open G tuning. So I was messing around with that, and then I came up with the you know just started playing that song just out of the blue, and I came up with this nice arrangement, uh, using that as the basis, of the five string Keith Richards tuning there, open G, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and it just kind of evolved and and I did the whole thing myself. I did the the guitars, the bass, the keyboards. All of the vocals, the whole thing.
1: Wow. And I
0: mixed it and the whole thing using an uh, Apple computer. Uh, and I used this program called Logic. Yep. And I did the whole thing. And uh, it's up there now. And you can listen to it. It's, uh, it's on YouTube and it's also on
2: Spotify and Apple Music too. Yeah. Now, did you do this during uh, COVID?
0: Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I worked on it. I worked on it a little bit, and then I stopped, and then I worked on it more, and it was like it evolved. You know, I didn't do it all at the same time, and uh, but I I kept going back to it, and because I liked the way it sounded.
2: Yeah, huh. it, it's funny because like uh, a lot of artists did that. They 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 didn't go into studios. They did their own thing. Like like Paul McCartney, he had he put out an album that uh, he did during covid and he did all the instruments and everything and uh, uh it seems like yeah. a lot of different artists did that
0: yeah it's uh it's actually very uh easy to do that now because of the technology and the computer right. programs and uh, microphones of course you know and all these other things that you need and but nowadays you can uh you know with you can you can pretty much do the whole thing, even mixing it too. So, right. yeah, yeah, huh. it, is, it is possible.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, Brian, I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us and uh, taking the time to tell us uh, about your your music and everything. And I uh, thank you so much for for joining us.
0: Thank you, Brian, and it was great being on your show.
2: And a big thank you going out to Brian Hyland for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond, taking us back into time to uh, the 60s and 70s and the music he's doing now and his touring and everything else. Uh, A lot of fun. Brian Hyland right here on On Screen and Beyond. And uh, we are, you know, just... We, we Next week, we have an Emmy winner coming our way. The following week, we have an Emmy nominee coming our way. We've got a lot of great shows coming your way. Fantastic people with so many stories to tell us. And I hope you're going to be here joining us and telling a friend and getting things going so we can get more listeners here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, if you can do me a very big favor, download, download, download. Get everything you can. Download them all, you know, and- Download them again. <laughs> we appreciate it. And uh, we do love having uh, a lot of people listening to On Screen and Beyond. And I'm sure that if you tell a friend that they'll find somebody that uh, we've interviewed and uh, they'll uh, just enjoy hearing that person tell their story. And uh, also, like I said earlier, on Instagram, if you are looking for us, you can catch us there at On Screen and Beyond podcast if you're on twitter it's at on screen the letter n beyond so uh, those are some places you can check us out of course uh you can get us on apple podcast and uh, spotify and google podcasts and uh, podbeam and uh, it just goes on and on the list of anchor fm all kinds of places so uh, keep listening and uh, appreciate it if you are on uh, Anchor FM. If you go there, if you happen to click on our any of our links, it takes you there. Actually, then you can get to uh, the uh, you know whoever you're going with, whether it's Apple or Google or whoever. But uh, w- while you're on there, Spotify too is there. But uh, if you are on there, you can uh, there's a bus- button that says message, and you click that, you can actually just talk to me. And uh, then you submit it, and it'll uh, come to us, and uh, we'll have a, a little uh, clip of what you said. You know, the whole thing will come come my way that way. So that's a kind of neat thing. So if you want, check that out, or you can email me at feedback at com. if you get a suggestion for a guest, if you know a connection with a guest uh, that you'd like to hear. Uh, all, all sorts of ways to contact us, and love hearing your suggestions, and I just love hearing from you. So uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrack. Take care.